Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. All right. It is Friday. And as you know, on Friday, we do the financial news wrap up with Mr. Michael Zuber. How are you, Michael? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Today is July the 8th, 2022. A lot going on with housing, a lot going on with interest rates, a lot of talk about recession, economy. We're going to get right into it. So let's start off this week. Tell us about the yield curve inversion. What is that? And what happened this week? Yeah, so let's kind of give everybody a walk through what the yield curve inversion, right? The yield curve inversion has historically been one of those early indicators, a leading indicator, if you will, of an impending recession. All right, great. That's fancy. But what is it? So basically what it is, is it's the yield curve inversion means the two-year note is above the 10-year note. So what does that mean in practicality? It's like, hey, if I'm going to lend money to Thai, let's, I'm just going to make numbers up. If I'm going to give them that money and I want it back in two years, I want 3%. But if I'm going to give them money for 10 years, let's just be real. Ty, Ty and I are boys, but I'm not going to give him 10-year money at 3%. It's going to be four or five or six, right? Again, longer duration, the longer he has my money, you would think I want a higher interest rate. Yield curve inversion is not that. What the yield curve inversion basically says, Ty, is you could borrow two-year money at 3%, but I'm going to give you 10-year money at 2.9 or 2.8 or 2.5. It is not logical. And again, the yield curve inversion, when it happens, generally sends a signal that the economy is not in a good spot and is a often an indicator of a recession. And we've been inverted on the 2 and 10 now for three days. Uh, I haven't checked this morning, or at least in the last couple hours, I believe we still are inverted. So this is not a good sign. It is not normal. And again, would you loan somebody money for 10 years at less than you would loan them at two? Probably not. But that is exactly what's going on in the treasury market today. So not a good sign. Very interesting. Historically, um, and I love that you track that. I've never really you hear a little bit of it in CNBC, but nobody really knows what it means, usually. What are some of the historical things that have happened? If we look back, you and I, there's a, there's a Friday financial wrap-up. We mm -hmm. talked about the 1970s. Mm -hmm. We talked about the 80s. Mm -hmm. We talked about a similar kind of a market that you predicted that we're in right now. Yeah. What are some of the patterns with this uh, inversion, this yield curve inversion? Yeah, so the yield curve inversion is an early indicator. Historically speaking, it means that there's a recession in the offering the future, typically six to 18 months out. Uh, I believe what's going on here is going to be on the earlier side. Uh, we'll get into more of this later, but I believe without question, the crash, the once in a lifetime crash in housing transactions is going to cause Q3 and Q4 of this year to be a recession. Uh, to continue negative GDP. The housing market in normal times is 15% of GDP. If you take 30 to 50% of transactions out, 
It's a lot less commission, a lot less mortgages, a lot less inspections, a lot less painting, a lot less this, a lot less that, a lot less. We could lose 4% of GDP easily because of what I see in housing transactions. The crash is going to be once in a lifetime. So uh, I think a recession is in the very near future. Very interesting. We will circle back on that. Let's move to the next subject. And thank you for that explanation, by the way. Let's talk about the next subject, June job numbers. What happened there this week? Yeah. So again, as I'm telling my, my viewers on the daily financial news, we are at a very odd time where good news is bad news and bad news is good news. Well, what the hell does that mean? Well, normally speaking, when you get jobs creation, that's good, right? Because we want to see the economy growing, right? That's just natural. Unfortunately, we are in an environment where if a jobs number comes in hot, meaning more than expected, it gives permission and probably requires that the Federal Reserve continue these monster rate increases. So what happened? We, had, we got a number this morning. The expectation was 250,000 jobs created. I thought it would come in slightly lower at 238. Dude, it came in at 372. It was a monster beat, far more than I expected. And at this point, what we can count on later this month is the Federal Reserve once again giving us a three-quarter or 75 basis point move in rates. It's a lock. Um, there's no Fed pivot. There's no Fed slowdown. Rates are going up. Uh, inflation is raging. We get a CPI reading next week, which is going to come in hot. Uh, rates are going up, right? The Fed is being very clear. Rates are going up. And uh, what happens when rates go up? Demand is destroyed. And uh, I don't. I think this notion of a soft landing is a joke. Uh, I think they're going to destroy. I think they're going to. I mean, when you normally talk about any industry's transactions crashing 30%, that's a crash. And we're going to go down 30% to 50%. Las Vegas, Nevada, 26% down in a month. A month. Wow. Month. Yeah. We got we, housing, housing transactions are falling, which again, if you're in the real estate industry, whatnot, you got to get right. You got to get your spend right. Uh, you got to survive to thrive. If you're an investor, oh, your time is coming. Uh, whether it's creative financing, seller financing, pre-foreclosure, whatever it is, investors, learn your market, get a buy box, stay focused, and and help people that need help. It's, it's going to be the next two years, you get wealthy owning assets. You can make an income flipping contracts, flipping properties. I'm not in this game for income. I'm in this game for wealth. And the next two years are about building wealth. Um, so I'm excited. Uh, I've spent a year getting dry powder ready. I spent a year getting my debt structures right. I spent a, uh, a year finding more and more experts like you who are teaching me pre-foreclosures and creative financing. And, and we're just going to go ham. Um, but we all got stuff to learn. We all got to realize that, the, dude, the negative headlines that are coming, you've got, you have to have a mental trick or you're going to lose it. My mental trick is every negative headline I go, there goes 2% of my competition. There goes 2% of my competition. You need to have a mental hack or you're going to just get drained with all this negativity. So get excited. Get excited, folks. You heard it here. So let's go to the next question or the next topic, really. And what did you see this week in Bay Area housing? So you and I have talked about Bay Area housing for about six or nine months, and I was pretty negative on it. And frankly, 
a lot of the comments I got like nine months ago was Michael, you don't know about Bay area. I'm like, dude, I've lived here 50 years. What do you mean? I don't know about the Bay area. And they're like, you don't get it stuff selling in a minute. I'm like, guys, I'm not playing for tomorrow. I'm playing for six months down the line. Uh, and lo and behold, we're here. And I was right. They were wrong. Um, San Francisco housing for the month of June. Uh, somebody just put out a report that the median home price in San Francisco fell 3%. Um, so the Bay Area is in trouble, right? The Bay Area, I mean, we have like San Francisco's median home price was $2 million. $2 million to live in San Francisco. No thanks. And, the, you know, the, the just it's the Bay Area needs a reset. And, you know, if you're investing in the, in the Bay Area, you got to be careful. You better adjust your ARVs, your hold times. Uh, you could still make a lot of money, but you got to realize the, the money rained down on fools the last two years, all of these SPACs and these IPOs and these RSUs and all that money is gone, or at least most of it. So um, be very careful, but also get excited, right? It's about controlling property and holding property and doing all of these amazing things. But don't be... Just like last time, I knew a guy who was flipping million-dollar homes in the Bay, uh, and he was bankrupt. He was worth $10 million bucks legit, and he was bankrupt in a year because he didn't take one 50K loss. Sometimes you got to get smaller to survive so you can th thrive later. And he's never come back. He's never come back to real estate. He went bankrupt and went off and did something else. So, yeah, I'm very nervous for the Bay Area. I've lived here 50 years. Um, I think the Bay Area was overinflated. I think there was a lot of money sloshing around in SPACs and tech companies. Dude, there were companies sold at 100 times revenue that didn't make money. I mean, that was so dot-com, it wasn't even funny. So um, we're going to have some pain. Very okay. interesting. Very interesting. And I know that all too well, what you're talking about, you know, holding out, not taking losses. That was one of the things I shared with Michael Preroll. Um, I was... I was basically co-hosting a Zoom and I was sharing a lot of your wisdom, Michael, but that was one of my key points is that, hey, you've got to cut your losses right now. Reset, get your cash off off the playing board and reset for this market as it changes. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of I mean, I know of a couple of people who are flipping two and three X the median. That is so dangerous right now. Again, you are absolutely right. You only need one buyer. I get it. But the people that can buy homes 3x your median, they probably have money in the stock market. They probably lost their ass. They probably have RSUs and they definitely lost their ass. Not the buyer I would be trying to sell to today. If you want to make money in the flipping game, go way below the median, flip to the FHA buyer. Dude, you want to find a buyer who is hungry? FHA and VA. You have to flip to their quality, right? No half dones, no half hacks. Flip to FHA and VA uh, quality below the median. You're probably going to have as many buyers as you want. Uh, the game's just changed. And a lot of you aren't, a lot of you want it to be like yesterday. I don't give a shit about yesterday. I'm worried about what it's going to be tomorrow. That's the game I'm playing. Stop wishing for yesterday and play tomorrow's game. Amen. Wow. So spot on, so spot on about median value. I love it. Um, I want to, I want to, I've got two more questions. I want to, we're going to talk about recession, but before I do, I want to just clarify something. You said there were some technical terms there. You talked about specs. You talked about RSUs. We've mentioned it before in past shows, but 
but I want you to talk about that specifically to the Bay Area, Silicon Valley. Explain that. So a SPAC is a special purpose acquisition company. Basically, it's a bunch of debt or a private capital raise that buys a company. It's basically a backdoor to go public. SPACs took off over this last two years at a stupid and unhealthy level. It was an easy way to get liquid. And lots of people did. And when you get liquid in the Bay Area, what's the first thing you buy? You either buy a Tesla or a home, whatever. And a lot of people did. And that's now over. And if you didn't get your money off the table because you were greedy, you're now toast. And um, so that's a SPAC. It's a financial game or gimmick that takes a private company public and makes it liquid. So if you were a private, if you worked at a private company, you may have shares, but they're not publicly traded. Some financial engineering comes along, you go public. Now you can sell those. You have money. RSUs typically uh, are called restricted stock units. A lot of Bay Area engineers, marketing, salespeople, they may have a compensation package that says 400 grand, whatever. What people don't realize is maybe half that is actual salary and the other half are RSUs or restricted stock units. They are given and they vest over time. And let's be very clear. A lot of the stupid housing prices we have here are because very successful tech companies went public. Google, Facebook, Amazon, um, uh, ServiceNow, Datadog, Splunk, just all of these companies. And when these RSUs go to the moon and you've got tens of thousands of shares, you're finally rich. And what do you do? You either buy a Tesla or you buy a home. So we got a lot of Teslas and a lot of overpriced homes in the Bay Area. Very interesting. And, and I just want to comment and connect the dots there is that because of what's going on in Silicon Valley, because the stock market is getting beat up, plus liquidity is shifting, the cost of capital is now rapidly rising. You're just not going to see these young tech titans have the same kind of liquidity or spending power buying crazy homes. Is that really what's going on? Michael? Oh, not only that, but you probably have some people that require, I mean, cause again, you got to remember, right? You buy a $2 million home, your property tax is probably 30 grand. And there's probably some people that got over their skis. They could afford the home, uh, but now they got to pay the property tax bill. And if your RSUs are nothing or your company went bankrupt, you may have to sell. We may have some forced sellers because they, their, their income stream changed, right? They, they thought they were uh, wealthy and they were merely rich and now they're broke. So it's going to cause a problem. Yeah. I don't know what the numbers are, but I don't know for every thousand RSU millionaire, I don't know what there's 50 of them now. I mean, it's, it's been, I mean, there are a lot of companies that are down 80%. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Painful. So, and I, and I just want to share for the viewer right now, if at some point over this last, you know, 10 minutes, you've gotten a pit in your stomach or you've gotten a little uneasy, by the way, I've had that a couple of times as we're talking about this. Why? Because I'm still active. I'm still working. We're still building, et cetera, et cetera. So point is, is this, use this to your advantage to make adjustments, pivot, make shift. If you're over, if you're in a bad deal, get out of that bad deal. 
take the lump, take the loss, get your chips back off the table Mm -hmm. and reset so that you can now participate in the opportunities that are coming. Michael. Yeah. What I would tell someone again, I don't know anybody's business, but let's just say in 2020 and 2021, you were doing 24 deals a year or two a month. And, you know, when you get on that kind of string, you got a lot of money out, right? Because that's a lot of projects. You're probably running six, eight projects at a time and all of that. If that's kind of your thing, what I would tell someone over the next six to nine months is you got to cut that in half. I'm not saying go to zero by no means. I'm just saying reduce your exposure, reduce your burn. I'm not even telling you to stop marketing. I'm telling you maybe tweak your marketing, right? I'm doing new marketing now that I've never done. I'm marketing housing crash to to people who own duplexes through quads. So very specific, 60% equity or more. So it's a very finite set. And I'm going to be sending them this card or one like it, basically saying, hey, you think a crash is coming? I'm still buying. Let's talk seller financing. Love right? it. So I'm, I have found my little niche. I'm going to spend a thousand bucks a month and I'm going to get five, 10, 15 deals seller financing for in a market that's fine. So I'm not telling you to stop. I'm just telling most people, you have to realize the market we left is not the market we're in and it will not be the market of tomorrow. Right size it, get small, reduce your, you know, part of, part of surviving this is reducing your attack profile, right? Get smaller. So the mistakes are smaller. If you're still running 24 products a year and eight at a time, a lot of cost of capital. If your hold time goes from 90 days to six months, that's enough to ruin some people. So, you know, reduce the attack profile, get smaller, get, get more nimble. So spot on, get smaller, get nimble. By the way, what Michael just did there is he gave you a small sampling of a buy box. I did. And he talked about who he's mailing to, who he's marketing to, something that I talk a lot about that I've learned from you, Michael, about having a nice, clear, concise, tight buy box. Yeah, again, and a buy box is exactly that. It's the only thing I look at. And buy box is focus and daily discipline, but also it's permission to ignore everything else. Most new investors, A, don't have a buy box. And when they do have one, they get distracted by what's close. I am very crystal clear. If it's not in my buy box, it is not considered. It doesn't even hit my radar. Love it. Love it. He's teaching folks, pay attention. So we're going to bring it home now. So we're going to talk about a couple of things and I'm going to just share Michael's been talking about for the last six or nine months, and especially over the last 90 days before it was in the mainstream news, he talked about the Fed and breaking housing. They've broke housing. And that's a unique term. I've not seen it. I've searched it. It doesn't come up. It's interesting, Michael. I looked at some recent headlines over the last 24, 36 hours. They talked, and I think it's a softener. They said the Fed is doing a reset in housing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's also too, this is a double pronged question. So July 20th, there's something with an announcement. I want mm-hmm. you to talk about that, but also talk about the recession as well and kind of blend the blend those two together. July 20th and the recession, what's going on there? Yeah. So I've been doing this a long time. Uh, and I believe July 20th, which again, don't bury, bury the lead. That's the day that the national association of realtors or NAR will report the national numbers for June existing home sales, transactions, median price. And I expect this to go off like an earthquake, right? You and I are in California. Earthquakes come out of nowhere. And it, like it, it, everything is shook. And I think that's exactly what July 20th is going to be. 
I think July 20th is going to be the day that the media, Wall Street Journal, Fortune, CNBC, Bloomberg, CNN, MSNBC, whatever you watch, goes super negative on real estate. Because it's going to show transactions fell off a cliff, right? Las Vegas was down 26% in a month. This is going to be bad. And unfortunately, I believe that July 20th is going to do two things, right? Real estate is nothing more than an agreement between a buyer and a seller. What is going to happen after July 20th is we are going to lose buyers. Buyers are going to see this crazy headline. They're going to think a bubble is coming and they, they're going to vanish, right? Demand is a two-step function. Because the Fed is raising rates, we've already lost 18 million buyers. They're, they can't do this first-step function. Right, they're able. Right, the bank said no. Right, you're approved at three. You're not approved at six. What we are about to lose on January, or I'm sorry, June, July twentieth. All these dates with J. July twentieth is um, buyers are going to get scared. I mean, think about it. Right, your your mom and dad looking at buying your first home, and suddenly the news media is screaming, 2008 crash, hump, bubble, epic fall. And it's going to be because of transactions, not price. But they're going to run. Next thing is going to happen. Some of you are in markets where there's a lot of FOMO, right? Fear of missing out from sellers. I think that is like, like Phoenix. Phoenix got 5,000 listings in a month. That's a lot. I believe more and more markets are going to get new listings at that kind of rate. Uh, because sellers are like, oh my God, the top, honey, we missed it. Let's sell now so we can buy later, right? Let's time the market. Going to be a lot of noise, man. Wish pricing, need versus want to sell. It's going to be very, very weird. And then finally, I believe July 20th is going to be the really the accelerator on what's going to be called the housing recession. I think GDP is going to fall because of housing. You can't have housing transactions cut in half or a third and not have real GDP hit. So um, I believe the negativity in housing goes next level, July 20th. I believe the opportunities to create great deals goes next level in August or September because we need to find who needs to sell versus who wants to sell. It's not going to be obvious on July 20th, it might be obvious by August 20th, but we got to start doing the work right now. So spot on, folks. You've heard it here. I hope that you are paying attention, making decisions, making adjustments in your business. Michael, thank you for all that you do. I just want to share the two books right here. You got Conversations with Real Estate Millionaires. That's the newer book. This is mm -hmm. a great book. This, folks, is the book, the real book. This is the OG, the original. And let me tell you, this book is more important than Rich Dad, Poor Dad. In my opinion, if you're in the real estate game, this is more important than Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Think and Grow Rich. This is the playbook. And let me tell you why. I said this. I said this earlier this week, and it was the first time I said it. Michael is not a sizzle, thrill, let me just say something clever and cute to try to grab people's attention. Michael is literally laying down a foundation of fundamentals that work. And I just want people to really pay attention to that. Michael is going to be our guest at rehybridevent.com, August 11th and 12th. Michael, what are you going to talk about? You have asked me to speak on kind of uh, the state of the housing market, which in August is going to be very different than what people have today. 
Uh, it's going to be a wake-up call. I'm, 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 my intention is to virtually slap everybody in the room to wake them up, get their attention, and then to leave them ecstatic about the opportunities coming. That's, that's my stated internal goal. I love it. Michael is going to be there. Thatch Nguyen is going to be there. Joe Raffaele, Adrian Hernandez. We've got some other incredible guests, Jeff Quinton. Folks, we've got a coupon code. Coupon code, EVENT300. EVENT300. It's going to be in the link here. So if you would like to join us, $300 ticket. People typically have paid $1,500, $2,500, $3,000, $5,000 for similar events we've done in the past. So we want you there. Michael, thank you for all that you do and share. Thank you for all the work. You got it, buddy. Take care.